0: Well, this morning we learned that 61.6% of Australians voted yes in a postal plebiscite on the question of marriage equality. The Prime Minister said this morning that Australians had voted yes for fairness, voted yes for commitment, they voted yes for love. It's now up to politicians to make sure the will of the people is respected by Parliament and that legislation is passed by Christmas, said the Prime Minister. I'm here with two of my colleagues, Michael Fullilove and Bonnie Blay, uh, here to talk about the implications of of this vote for Australia's place in the world and its international reputation. I'd like to start with you, Michael Fulilove, Executive Director of the Lowy Institute. What does this mean for Australia's place in the world?
1: The first thing to say is I think it's tremendous news. I think it's wonderful news. Um, as somebody who's been married for 17 years, I know the sense of joy and completeness and companionship that marriage can bring. And it seems completely right that we would not deny that to our fellow Australians on the basis of their sexual orientation. I think the arguments for uh, yes on the grounds of both fairness and freedom were extremely strong and it's very heartening. I think that Australians have voted yes in such great numbers. Um, Marriage equality is not a foreign policy issue, but it's connected to our place in the world. Um, it's very notable to me that all the countries with which we habitually compare ourselves have provided for marriage equality. All the countries in the sphere, so beloved of, of conservatives, have um, already uh, provided for marriage equality. And I think this uh, plebiscite put a real question to Australians, and that is what company do we wish to keep? Do we see ourselves? With the Russias and the Chinas of the world or with the UK and the United States and pretty much the whole of Western Europe. So I think this is a very strong statement of liberal values, of, of, um, strong commitment to, to rights and freedoms, which is an, an essential part of the Western heritage. And I think it's a great day for Australia.
0: Bonnie Blay, you're a research associate at the Lowy Institute where you're working on a new digital initiative that maps the distribution of various kinds of power around Asia. Military, diplomatic, economic, also soft power. What do you think this means for Australian soft power and how is this vote going to be received internationally?
2: Well, thanks, Sam. To put it simply, I'd say this is Australia's soft power victory of 2017. When we think about how Australia often is portrayed in the international realm and on the international stage, a lot of the attention goes towards quite negative issues. It's very rare that our domestic policies actually reach an international audience in a positive limelight. This is going to be a fantastic moment for Australia. Uh, I think this is a really clear-cut result and it's reinforced by the high voter turnout. And as someone whose job it is to measure power and especially soft power, I think it's just a shame we can't actually capture this impact in numbers. Um, And I think it's also going to help that this whole story is unfolding in a highly visual way. So it's a really visual narrative. You're seeing all the photos being spread on social media. Um, And all this really sticks in the mind and the memory of people around the world. When it comes to consolidating the soft power, I think Australia needs to move really swiftly and giving the result a legislative backbone. The big example that I can think of is Germany, who recently also decided to vote in favor of gay marriage. And in that case, they managed to... The the issue was brought into the public debate very abruptly. So in June, it was brought into the public debate. By October, the first wedding bells were ringing. If Australia can emulate what Germany did, immediately translating this into action, listening to the voices of, of democracy, I think that victory will be consolidated.
0: Well, the Prime Minister's promised us legislation before Christmas, Michael, so you've also written that this vote has an impact on the way Australians see their country and its future.
1: What, what did you mean? You
0: wrote, you wrote an op-ed recently in a financial review along those lines.
1: Well, I don't want to be too rosy-hued this morning, but uh, I think a lot of us have been a bit dispirited by Australian politics in recent years, a sense that our politics have become smaller, that they've become broken, that they've become intensely negative, negative. That, um, we've, su- our system has somehow lost the capacity to solve problems. We used to be able to solve very difficult problems in Canberra and it's somehow become very difficult to solve them. And this is, this was one example because it shouldn't have been a difficult problem to solve because there was very strong public support for it. The downside was very limited. Um, the, uh, the upside was quite substantial. Um, and, and instead, we had to have this convoluted, um, extended debate and then this, this rather odd vote. But I think to take the positive out of it, um, the Australian public have voted for this. And, and I think this might help us to at least begin to, to fix our broken politics. If we can get this done, what else can we get done? What are the other difficult problems that have stymied us for many years? And people think, actually, you know what, we are capable of doing it. And that's why I said in the in that op-ed, I said that there's a choice. This plebiscite present, presented a choice to Australians that was broader than the narrow terms of the question that was on the survey. And the choice was, do we want to be a small country clinging to our past, um, clinging to old ways of relating to each other as as citizens, hobbled in a sense by a, by a a negative a negative hobbled by negativity or do we want to be larger than this do we want to um be a big country with a generous debate that can go forward with confident confidence and to go back to my earlier uh, answer is ready to take its place among the leading democracies of the world well Australians considered that larger choice they voted yes they voted yes in great numbers and I think it's it's an exciting moment, not just for um, our fellow Australians who are now able to express their love, but but for all of us, because it says actually this system this system can work, and let's see what else we can do.
0: Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with you, and I think that the the strength of the yes vote suggests that uh, some of the fears we've been hearing from our commentators about a rise in populism in Australia have actually been overstated a little bit. And I think that's that's actually a point you could make about the rest of the Western world as well. Rather than seeing you know, a sort of full-strength rise of populist politics, really what's happening is that the big parties in Western politics who used to be able to kind of suppress that sentiment, uh, they are decaying from within, they are slowly decaying. Uh, and that gives populist parties a chance to rise up, but popular sentiment I'm not sure is on the rise, and I think this vote reflects the fact that Australians are a pretty overall a pretty liberal lot. Bonnie, just turning to you again what what's your research on soft power in Asia telling you about Australia's ranking in that regard around the region and 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 what will this particular vote add to that picture?
2: So I spent a lot of time looking at how we can measure power and in particular what we call cultural influence. So in terms of Australia's performance, I think it's quite clear that Australia does very well in its traditional metrics of attracting people. It has very high tourist arrivals, 8.2 million in 2016 alone, so it's always on the rise as well. International students are at an all-time high. They are over half a million um, full fee-paying students. Half of those came from Asia. So in terms of those sort of traditional metrics of soft power, Australia is very good at attracting people due to its resources, its economy, you know, its beautiful natural environment. But when it comes to projecting its voice abroad and its opinion abroad, I think it does lag. By comparison, Japan has Googled four times as much as Australia, which just tells you there's there's a little bit more interest in Japan. And that's speaking from the Asian region specifically now, not not globally. It doesn't have those big brands necessarily that people throughout the world will recognise. That space is still dominated by the US and increasingly by various Chinese brands, Japanese brands, Korean brands. Australia's newspapers can't quite compete with the American ones and the Indian ones. So what we're finding is in terms of its ability to attract, it's doing very well as it always has and it's also steadily improving. But in terms of projection, I think there's something to be desired still.
0: Well, Bonnie, Michael, a big day for Australian politics and Australian public life. Thank you both for your time.